Chapter 20 of The Mystery of the Woods by W. H. H. Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 20 Henry! The word came out quick and sharp, and as the trapper spoke it, he slid from under the boat he was backing and stood as if fixed immovable to the spot, with eyes fastened on the ground. His companion, who was toiling under the pack basket a little way in the rear, startled by the energy of the trapper's exclamation, slipped from the noddings of the straps and was by the trapper's side like a flash. And so for a moment the two men stood, both bent forward in their eagerness and with eyes gazing steadfastly downward. Yes, Henry, it is a track, and such a track as no animal ever made. The wind has blowed a couple of leaves away where the heel ought to be, but the broken twig be left, and the markings of the instep be plain. What say ye, boy? Is it or is it not the foot of a girl? For a moment the young man made no reply, but while the trapper was speaking his eye had ranged forward on the line of the trail, or where the trail must have been if the indentation in the leaves had been made by the girl's passing, and the result of the searching glance he had thrown ahead was certainly conclusive, for he laid a hand on the trapper's shoulder and with the other pointed some fifty feet farther on, at a trunk of a huge beech that the winds perhaps twenty years before had prostrated. "'By the Lord, Henry!' exclaimed the trapper. "'That be a sign that can't lie. Yes, the girl certainly sat down on that trunk, for the moss be disturbed, and you can see the flake that peeled off when she dropped her weight onto it. Before the trapper had done speaking, both men were bending over the beech trunk, studying with eyes trained to note the least disturbance of nature, and hoping to find further indications that would make conclusive not merely that the girl had passed that spot, but the direction she had taken when she left it, and the time that had elapsed since she passed. See here, said the trapper, and he laid his hand on a small balsam, but a little larger than his finger, that grew within reach of the fallen beech. Look at the root of the sapling, and tell me what you see. The earth is disturbed at that root, John Norton. Certain, boy, certain, answered the trapper. But look close. The soil is certainly disturbed, as you say. But don't you see it be disturbed on the further side most? And if that doesn't show which way the girl took when she riz from this log, then there be no virtue in signs. How so? asked the young man. Sit down on the log answered the trapper, and take hold of the sapling yourself and lift yourself by it. Leastwise help yourself a little in the lifting. Not that way, boy, not that way. The roots don't give as they did to the pull of the girl as you lift that way, and that shows she wasn't looking the way you be looking when she pulled at the tree. That's it, that's it, added the trapper as the young man pulled himself up, facing slightly in another direction. Now the earth gives as it did when the girl had it in her hands. And she was weak, too, when she lifted herself from the moss, for she put her whole strength into the pole which helped her up, so that the root that runs out this way was pried from the earth as ye be prying it now. And when she started, she started off here, and her trail leads along the ridge that slopes down into the swale. Follow on, boy, follow on, and look for the heel of the track. When the trail leads up, you'll find the print of the toes, and when it leads down, the heel bears the weight. Yes, boy, search for the heel. You'll certainly find it beyond the ledge there, where the bank slopes steep. True to the trapper's prediction, 
the young man had no sooner circled the ledge and come to the pitch of the hill than there, sure enough, plainly to be seen, was the print of the girl's heel as her boot had sunk into the yielding mold. The girl was weak, boy, remarked the trapper as his eyes caught the trail. Yes, the girl was certainly weak, for the steps be too fur apart for one of her size to make when walking in her strength, and they be uneven, too. You see where she stopped off and on, and see here, she added. Here be a branch that gave way as she steadied herself by it in passing. And see, boy, the gum that come out of the hole that was made when the bough gave way in her grasp is bright and clear and barely stiff. How long is it since she passed here, John Norton? Not later than the morning, boy, not later than the morning. Yes, the girl was certainly alive this morning. No one can imagine the feelings of a young man as he heard this declaration of the trapper to know that the object of their search had passed the spot on which he was standing but a few short hours before, to know for a certainty that she was alive, and might even be but a short distance away, to know that after all their wanderings they had come to the only place in the woods where a trace of her presence could have been discovered, caused such feelings to possess him as no one less interested than he, or in his position, could have. Is it possible, John Norton, that we shall find her? Certainly, answered the trapper. Leastwise, I see no reason again it. I felt when I got the direction from the man in the panther's skin and the point that the girl would certainly be in our boat afore night, and now I know that the thought will prove true. I wish the pups was here. What good would the dogs do us? asked the young man. Lord, boy, answered the trapper. Do you think the rover has consorted with me these twelve year and not learnt the signs of a trail or growl judgmatical in such matters? I can't answer for sport, for he's a little heady, and his nose is so good that he has not educated his eye. But rover be a dog of a hundred, and his nose and his eyes join works. I've often conceded he's more than half human. Lord, boy, I'm certain that he knows a doe's track from a buck's arter the scent has been dead half a week and many a time when I've been trailing arter some vagabonds who had been thieving on the line of my traps, has he taken a trail ahead of me, and I never was quite certain whose eye was the quickest, his'n or mine. Yes, if the old dog were here, he'd know what we was arter afore we had come to this spot of the trail, and he'd take it up right here, and you'd hear his bayings by the girl's side if she be living, and over her body if she be dead, in a good deal quicker time than ye and me can thread it out, but we don't need to follow it. Don't need to follow it, exclaimed the young man. What have we come here for if not to follow it? Easy, boy, easy, answered the trapper. The trail is here, and that's plain enough. And now the question is, where be the end of it? Where is the end of it? asked the young man. The trail runs toward the lake, answered the old man, and you'll find the end of it, and a girl at the end of it on the beach. How do you know that, John Norton? questioned Herbert somewhat incredulously. "'How do I know it?' answered the trapper. "'How do I know where to find a buck on a hot day when his trail heads towards the water? The trail, I tell you, runs toward the lake, and the reason is because toward the lake is downhill, and the way from the lake is uphill. And the girl was weak when she passed this point, so weak that she staggered in her walking. And whether she knowed what way she was going or not, she would keep on going downhill.' because she couldn't go any other way. When she got to the bottom of the slope here, a mile to the east, 
she'd have come to the water. Yes, the girl be on the beach. That is, if she was strong enough to get to the beach. And if she wasn't strong enough, we'll find the girl on the line of this trail as it runs down this ledge between here and the beach. We'll strike for the lake. There be something in me that tells me that on the beach of the lake we'll find the girl. The reasoning of the old man seemed so conclusive, the judgment on which it was based seemed so well supported by woodcraft and nature alike, that the young man made no objection to the proposition. He simply said, God grant it may be so, and followed the trapper as he returned to the point at which they had struck the trail. The trapper again resumed his position under the boat, and the young man adjusted himself to the straps of the pack, and with far different feelings than when they stopped, they resumed their course toward the lake, which the trapper assured his companion was not a mile distant. Henry, said the trapper, the search be about over. The two men were standing on the shore of the lake. The trapper had launched the boat, and Henry had slipped the pack from his shoulders. Both were wiping away the perspiration which their struggle through the underbrush had brought to their faces. I don't know why I should doubt your prediction, John Norton, but I cannot credit it. Ooh, boy, what be the matter with you? I tell you the girl be on this lake. We'll find her on the beach beyond the point there, waiting for us to come. If not on the beach, beyond the point, a little further on. It may be as fur down as a shanty where I used to camp in my trappings, but I certainly doubt if she's got so fur. But here she be if there be any virtue in signs. Boy, what is it in your face? Say your say out. I will admit answered the young man, that the signs point, as you say, that the girl passed this spot this morning where we found her trail seems to me credible. Yes, certain. And if she passed the spot this morning heading toward the lake, I agree with you that she ought to be on the shores of the lake this minute. But something in my heart tells me she is not there. You may laugh at me and call it foolish, but from my boyhood I have had at times impressions come to me touching persons and things concerning the truth of which I could give at the time no explanation, but which, nevertheless, proved true in the end. Whence these impressions come, I cannot tell. How much I should allow them to influence me, I have never yet decided. But in old time, I know, a higher intelligence maintained its connections with the intelligence of men, nor was it inefficient to guide them, and I have often thought that I have been constrained to think that that connection, the divine connection with the human, had never been sundered, and that men in emergencies of their lives, and previous to the point where great occurrences were to happen, were moved now as then by the Spirit of God. Call it what you please. Think of it as you please, John Norton. But standing here on the beach of the lake, on whose shore you say the girl is, and on whose shore I admit, from the evidence of many signs, the girl ought to be, I have within me a feeling which contradicts your saying and which denies the conclusion of the evidences that we have seen. John Norton, the girl is not on this lake. For several moments the trapper made no reply, but stood leaning on the staff of his paddle, looking steadily off over the water. At last, turning to his companion, he said, I know what you mean, boy, for I have felt the same feeling, and I have had the same thoughts. I have met men among the redskins that were great medicine men, and some of them was gifted with the line you speak of. I have camped with them on the trail, and I have sought with them in council, and I have heard them say just the opposite of what the chief said, and which the wisdom of human learning, and of them that was skilled in the ways of the woods, 
thought must be true. And I've noted that arter the thing had happened, the chiefs was wrong, and the medicine man was right. No, boy, I've lived too many years and observed too much to laugh at you for anything you might say in your honesty. And it may be your spirit is right in what you say. But certain it is that we be here, and the sun be an hour yet from its setting. And certain it is that afore it sets, we will know whether your spirit or the signs be right. I trust you be wrong. Yes, boy, I certainly trust you be wrong. For I've sought my heart on finding the girl, and I know the girl ought to be on this lake. And if she ain't on this lake... Here the trapper paused a moment and then added, Put your pack in the boat, boy. Your feelings may be right, but our duty is a search. If the Lord himself should say that the girl wasn't here, I should certainly scout round the shores a little more afore I left it. The Lord has his duty, and we have ourn, and our duty is the search, and the sun be nigh to its setting. And so saying, the trapper pushed the boat from the shore, adding, It's just as well, Henry, for a man to look a little into things himself, even if the Lord has fixed them. A quiet stretch of water, no ripple on it, and the boat, as urged by the trapper's paddle, glided through it as if it were oil. Herbert had not lifted the oars. Their pressure was not needed. There was a moment when eye and ear and not the strength of muscle would solve the problem. The boat glided on. A little stretch of beach lay on the other shore. How brightly it shone in the sun. The trapper steered straight toward it, and as the boat moved slowly past it, but a rod or two away, both men scanned it with eyes that noted every pebble. But the yellow sand lay smooth and undisturbed, save where a deer had marked it with its hoof as he came down to drink. The boat kept its course and glided forward. It drew on to the narrows and ran along the beach that made the western line out of the outstretching point. No markings there. An otter had flattened the sands as he crawled out of the water, and a few rods farther on flattened them as he slid down but beyond this no sign that life had printed its motion on them. The boat reached the very point. The trapper's face showed no sign, and his paddle kept the steadiness of its easy motion. The young man sat facing forward, his face slightly sharpened, and perhaps a trifle of the color gone from the bronze cheek. From habit his rifle rested on his knee. He had not thought of it, probably in his excitement, which took no little strength to conceal. The boat glided round the point, and the main body of its water for a mile stretched away. The trapper headed toward the beach that edged the northern shore with a stroke as steady and true as if he felt no interest in the revelation that lay so short a distance ahead. Slowly the boat drew in toward the beach, and while yet forty rods away the trapper said quietly, You can see your tracks on the beach, boy, abreast of the balsam with the broken top. The words were quietly spoken very quietly. I see them, answered his companion, and he spoke as quietly as a trapper had spoken. There be tracks in here to the left, added the trapper in a moment more. I see them, answered the young man laconically, and so the boat drew towards the beach, drew slowly but steadily in, and the two men who had been so faithful in their search, and who now had come to the culmination of it, as the one felt and the other hoped, spoke as quietly each to the other as if within their hearts there burnt no glow, and in their minds was only the movement of an ordinary experience. The girl is not in sight for certain, said the trapper. No, the girl is not in sight, answered Herbert. 
We'll draw in here, said the trapper after a moment. We'll draw in here and see what the beach will tell us. I think we had better, answered his companion. And so the boat came to the shore. The two men, without a word, stepped out upon the sands. The beach was thick with tracks, tracks of a human foot, of a woman's foot, tracks of feet that had come and gone, of feet that had walked up and down, now straight, now crookedly. Look here, said the trapper, and he pointed to an indentation in the sand made by a heavy animal. What is that, boy? A panther, answered his companion, and he spoke as if his mind took no notice of his speech. Men at times in great excitement speak so. Yes, answered the trapper. The track is the track of a panther, but the step is the step of a man. This be the track of the man we left on the point, and here is where he seed the girl. Where's the girl? asked Herbert, and he turned his face quick as a flash toward the trapper. We'll see, answered the trapper. This way, boy, this way. The beach be writ like a book. We shall find it all here somewhere. He had not gone a dozen rods before he touched his companion on the shoulder and pointed a little in advance. A deep indentation in the sand. Two indentations. The two men approached them. The trapper stopped and leaned on his paddle. The sun shone brightly on his whitened locks. The young man lifted his hat from his head, and the two stood looking, as two men might look at an altar where their mother prayed after death had claimed her. The girl knelt here, Henry, and his voice thickened. The girl knelt here. Where was God? asked the young man sharply. Not fur away, boy, not fur away. The Lord be nigh them that kneel, said the trapper reverently. And then he added, as he entered the boat, Come aboard, Henry, come aboard. The sun be gone, and the darkness be coming, but ears will serve us when the eye fails. I tell you the girl is on this lake, and she'll be living, too. And if she moves a foot or makes a sound above her breath afore morning, our ears will hear it. And the old man pushed the boat gently from the shore and slowly drew along the beach, noting in the gathering darkness the failing signs of the wanderer's trail. End of chapter 20